The following podcast is brought to you by WRGW District Radio. You decided to write a TV show or to join the casting crew. You heard it would be the next big thing and bring new fame to you. Wouldn't it be a helpful thing? You're off the air and it seems nobody knows your name. Like they might have been glad you came. You wish you had made different choices, but now it's just a shame. These shows work a Hello and welcome to One Season Wonder, where my esteemed colleagues and I will discuss the failed TV projects that never quite made it past the first season. I'm Kyle. I'm Adam. I'm Jack. And I'm Joseph. Today we'll be discussing Abby's, a three-camera sitcom from NBC's 2019 lineup. Abby's is about an illegal bar run by Abby in her backyard and is about the eccentric regulars who frequent her bar. Abby is a former Marine who left her waitressing job to create her own bar where she could write the rules, over a hundred of them. She has trouble accepting help from other people, but has forged lasting friendships with many of her patrons. Bill arrives in the first episode as Abby's new landlord. He is distressed about an illegal bar on his property, but accepts it as he has no friends and nowhere to hang out after his divorce. Rosie is Abby's barback, a loudmouth, no-nonsense type, and the colorful cast of patrons includes Fred an older blue-collar man who's known Abby since she was a girl. He worked with her father. James, the bouncer, a non-confrontational anxious person. And Beth, Abby's neighbor, an alcoholic and neglectful mother, and we will be discussing that. So the biggest names attached to this were Abby, who was played by Natalie Morales of White Collar and Parks and Rec fame, and Fred, who was played by Neil Flynn of Scrubs and The Middle fame. Uh, the show was created by Josh Malmuth, who was a writer for both New Girl and Superstore. And most of the episodes were directed by Pamela Fryman, who was executive producer for How I Met Your Mother. Now, the surprising thing about the show is that it actually has a 68% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is honestly pretty high for the type of shows that we're watching. But uh, one of the biggest draws of the show was its novelty of having an outdoor live studio audience, which actually kind of made it quite unique in my opinion. All right, so let's just jump in with some gut reactions. Did anyone actually like this one? I actually did, uh, which is surprising. It actually was funny and made me laugh out loud and was honestly really cute. I know that sounds weird, but I liked how warm and soft it was. It wasn't, again, it wasn't really a, a particularly technically good show, but it made me feel good, and I really liked that, and it made it so much easier to finish and made it so much easier to watch. I just really liked it. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. Uh, for me, I felt like roughly 60% of the jokes actually hit, which is a million times better than what I was expecting, and I also really enjoyed all the characters, their interactions with each other, and above all, I really enjoyed just how much heart the show seemed to have. I didn't like it. I thought it was a bad show. I thought the humor and episode plots fell flat and that the show didn't really bring anything original to the table. I believe with a high level of certainty that I will forget this show. I'm kind of with Jack on this one. The show did have a lot of heart and the comedy I think did work more often than not, but at the same time the characters and the narratives were 
way too contrived. None of them felt like they unfolded organically or developed organically, and especially on the character front. The characters did not really innovate. I enjoyed and cared about the characters, but I think you have a point. I mean, look at Beth. Her entire gimmick as a character is that she is an alcoholic, neglectful parent. She hates her children and her husband, avoids her family, and reacts with disgust at the idea of fulfilling her obligations as a mother. It's especially jarring when you compare it to the episode about Abby's father, who is awful in a way that is treated seriously, and in what I think is a really productive way. Beth's child neglect is somehow a joke. I honestly wholeheartedly disagree with that assessment of Beth. I don't think she's neglectful to her children, because the only time we really get to see her is when she's at the bar. Uh, you usually go to a bar late at night, so like after you put the kids to bed. So I can't really see that being indicative to the way she would be treating her children at home. Yeah, the way it's set up, I think if we ever saw her interact with her family, I would find it real easy to believe that she's not as bad as we're led to believe. The issue is with the structure of the show and the sort of narrow focus, we don't see that. And we're not given any reason to extrapolate. Sure. But with the other characters, we don't have to think about what they're like outside the bar at all. What we're presented with for every other character is what they're like all the time. And what we're presented with with Beth is someone who constantly talks about being an alcoholic, neglectful mother. I, I do see where you're coming from. However, there's an episode where Abby is talking about her relationship and Beth finds out that she hasn't really been privy to the knowledge and it devastates her. Showing how much of a caring person she can be. She obviously cares deeply about her friends and their lives, and I think that would carry over to her family life. I think she's just a victim of the show being one season long, and we don't really get to see more of her. I think that episode just shows how selfish she is. She just doesn't want to be left out. I see where both of y'all are coming from, and in the end, I really think it's just the, the fact that it's one season. If we actually had more information, we would know for certain if she was both a neglectful mother or just, you know, making jokes. However, I do think we can all agree on Bill. Uh, Bill, the, you know, the landlord uh, who comes in and is immediately like, oh, we got to shut this whole thing down. But then he's somehow just a part of the group and he's treated either with total disrespect and everyone's just like treating him really badly or he's super annoying and he doesn't vibe well with the group and I don't know I just I liked him because of his dorky humor but he just oh he was he was annoying at some times and I just I think they treat him either too much like an outsider or too much like an insider and it just doesn't work for me. See, the issue with Bill is we sort of see him in two parts as the show goes. In the beginning, because he's the newcomer and he's still learning all these wacky and whimsical traditions they have at the bar, he's a narrative tool. He's there for the audience to see the things that everyone, everyone else in the cast is already accustomed to and give that explanation. Later in the series, when they do make him more of a core member of the group and they give him more of a... Not necessarily a depth, but more characteristics of his own. I think that's when he sort of falls apart because as a narrative tool, he worked. He got the point across. He introduced the audience to the bar. But as a character, I do not think he meshed. I thought that Bill's job as a narrative tool held back the characters and the show. He held back the characters by making them bend to his whim in certain episodes and making us unable to see what I thought were more compelling characters. 
And he held back the plot by acting as a vehicle for the writers to have a character explain what's going on rather than show us. I disagree with that. I thought that he served his purpose really well because the traditions at the bar are so wacky. They have a tradition where they spin a wheel at the end of every month to use the uh, coins in the jukebox to, and whoever's face it lands on gets to pick what to spend the money on. That has to be explained. If they just did that, all the audience would see was a wheel being spun with everyone's faces on it, and they'd have no idea what's going on. So I think you really need that audience stand-in so you can introduce the audience to the concepts of what the bar is doing. I also like him since, as the show went on, Bill seemed to become more and more integrated into the group, and he became more and more part of the group. And it was really, for me, interesting to see how that happened throughout the season. I totally, I totally get that. And like, I feel bad for finding him annoying at some points because I really liked his sort of dorkiness. I liked, I, I, I like dorky characters who are a little awkward. I mean, he makes a, a joke about going to a Lord of the Rings piano cover band type, uh, type of deal. And I, that made me laugh. And I, I enjoy that kind of stuff. Um, I also liked how awkward he is when like Abby came out as bisexual because he literally said like oh congratulations type of thing and I could knowing me and knowing how awkward I can be I really felt for him during that time so I don't know I it hurt my soul but I feel for those kinds of characters yeah I do want to talk about that one yeah uh so the crux of the plot of that episode is Abby tells Bill that she's bi he's the newcomer everyone else knew Abby tells Bill that she's bi, and he, you know, he says, oh, congratulations. It's that awkward response, and then he feels awkward about it later. And then throughout the entire episode, he's sort of stressing over, did I say the wrong thing? Did I offend her by that sort of weird reaction? But at the end of the episode, she just tells him that she's glad that his awkward reaction was a positive awkward reaction. And I think that the approach that I took to that, that he had this awkward reaction, this sort of not sense of discomfort, but sense of disfamiliarity, and that it wasn't seen as an issue, it was seen as a point for later growth. I thought that was very grounded and very realistic in its approach to that representation. I think it's good that her sexuality wasn't a focal point of her character. I think that they could have made a uh, straight character and just said she was bi, but they went to the trouble of having her have a romantic interest who was a woman, but ultimately it didn't come up too much because it didn't need to come up too much. I think that resonated with my experience. I also thought James' anxiety was done in a realistic way too. He wasn't just scared all the time. He overthought everything. He was constantly like worried about different outcomes. And I thought that was done way more realistically than just the usual like, oh, they're cowardly. That means they have anxiety type, type of deal. And so it wasn't just treated as something to be cured it was treated like how a mental illness should just be treated it, well except for the alcohol except for the alcohol one of james's coping mechanisms was to drink a shot and become tequila jimmy who no longer has problems with anxiety it definitely handled that well and it had this show had that diverse cast and that kind of positive representation where it felt like each of the characters was representing a different aspect of society you had Abby and you had James and you had, you know, the youngest at the bar was Rosie, the bar back, who's sort of that late millennial kind of vibe going on. Fred, the older blue collar, I'd, he wouldn't be a baby boomer, but he'd be close. Uh, but 
the question then is how wide is too wide of an audience at what point are you trying to draw on every demographic i really did not get any sense of a core demographic they were going for here i mean who was the target audience mm -hmm. i i think the target audience was the people who were portrayed in the bar like you have beth the middle-aged mother uh fred the middle-aged blue-collar worker and then you also have abby and bill the uh, millennials in their late 20s early 30s i think the show probably did cast too wide of a net which is maybe one of the reasons it failed I think the target audience was people like Bill, the audience surrogate. Older, nerdy, white guys who probably wouldn't want to watch a sitcom about a group of friends at a bar. I do definitely think that was part of the target audience, but I feel like they were trying to get more demographics. I feel like this is the perfect show for the middle-aged mothers like Beth. Yeah, I'm with Adam on this. I do not think this show had a single demographic in mind, and... As far as shows that we have looked at go, this was definitely on the better end. Uh, it's not too much worse than a lot of shows that go past one season. So as generally good as the show was, I definitely think the lack of a core audience was part of what dragged it down. So I think the question is, what worked here, and more importantly, what didn't work here? If I may, I want to talk about the comedy. Uh, I thought the comedy was really sweet, uh, really good-natured, and kind of made me feel warm inside. It was a little predictable, but honestly, I just it felt nice to hear it. This is going back to my previous just thoughts on the show in general. They just felt sweet. Uh, there was only a little bit of uh, mean-spirited jokes made at Bill's expense because, I mean, he was the antagonistic landlord at the beginning. But I did think they made it up by, you know, using uh, Bill as this nerdy and dorky joke machine that I really enjoyed. I mean, Bill was a divorced person with nowhere to go who they were kind of just endlessly ragging on during the beginning of the show. It, it didn't feel like a good-natured show for a lot of it. To be fair, in that beginning, he was like someone who kind of intruded into the um, into the bar. Uh, usually, it takes I think in the show they mentioned six months to be able to get your own bar stool to be one of the quote-unquote regulars, and he was able to just jump that line. So I do understand where some of the antagonistic jokes came from, but I think after the first few episodes, it did become a lot better. Uh, there weren't quite as many jokes at Bill's expense. It was a gray area between that good-natured ribbing and general animosity just thinly veiled, and a lot of it does come from sort of the closed-off nature of the bar regulars, which leads me to what I want to talk about here is the wackiness and whimsy of the bar's traditions. I touched on this, and I just... It was too contrived the wackiness they have traditions they have one tradition where they have one of those little golf coins you use to mark where your ball is on the green that they call the token and they have this pseudo religion around it and whoever gets it, it's the highest honor of the bar and it was too far-fetched and not self-aware about it being far-fetched enough that it did not work oh, but i really like those whimsy i i 
I like the token, but like I understand it, it didn't really work for the show. But I think for some audience members, it definitely was one of those things that just kind of made me go like, oh, that's cool. I don't know. That's like, that's funny. I thought the jokes were trite, predictable, and boring. The writers didn't exactly flex their writing muscles on this one, and why take the effort to put out a show of average jokes and average plots, most of which didn't resonate with me and didn't create meaningful stories. I felt like I had seen these kinds of standard sitcom plots before. I'd seen them before even in this same series. Uh, There are two episodes, Free Alcohol Day and Backup, where Abby has a plot line that's about the fact that she needs to learn to open up to others, and it's beat by beat, feels the same both times, uh, and that hurt any sense of growth going forward. It was the same plot twice. That just sounds like a theme. <laughs> but the, the thing is, like, the plots didn't really work there, but I think it did work with the fact that they were small, tiny plots that were more, like, moral lessons. It made it very easy for each episode to be clear and concise with what it's trying to say. And then, yeah, there was no real kind of growth over the show, which I didn't really appreciate. But I did appreciate that each episode was like, hey, this is our lesson. This is what we're trying to teach the audience. The show did address sort of topical social issues of the day. There is the episode on Abby's sexuality and Bill's reaction to it. There's an episode that dealt with sexism, just latent sexism, nothing blatant, but still a major issue. So my thing when it comes to sitcoms is people watch sitcoms more often than not for the meaninglessness of it all, not looking for meaning. And when sitcoms try to add meaning, oftentimes they lose audience, and I've been guilty of that in the past. This show addressed these issues in a way that felt like they were cultivating genuine meaning that worked more than a lot of sitcoms that approach morals and lessons do. I mean, exactly, like... Um, that with your sexism point, when Bill, like, Bill came in to try to, like, save Abby from, like, a confronting a group of rowdy, like, barflies, he, he then later admits that, hey, he doesn't think he would have done the same if she was a man. And it isn't really treated as a, this awful thing, but it is said, like, hey, that is an area of growth that he needs to work on. And I thought that was really well done and really realistic that showed he was, like, a well-written character, in my opinion. Um, And honestly, that's why I really like the show, because it shows a willingness to have good characters with realistic conflicts between one another that can be grown and worked on. Yeah, like, for the characters, I think the relationships between the characters really worked. It really felt grounded, such as James not feeling close enough to Beth to admit that he broke her mug or... Fred's role as a parental advice giver for Abby. Every character was given that time in the spotlight to show how they fit into the group as a whole. Uh, The episode Liquid Courage is about James trying to face his anxieties over starting a new job. He does it through alcohol. That's neither here nor there. (laughs) The episode Soda Gun is about Fred's self-consciousness when he he doesn't feel quote-unquote needed at the bar. Uh, So there was that continuous development the big exception to that though is rosie the barback she never gets the depth of character that some of the others get one of the episodes is rosie's band it's about rosie's band and you can tell that they're trying to give her this depth by giving her interest outside of the band and outside of the bar rather and these hopes and dreams outside of the bar 
it just doesn't work because for too much of the episode, the focus is on characters who aren't rosy. Building off of that, characters outside of the core cast got zero time in the spotlight. They were little more than props. The most prominent character besides the main cast was Skip, who sat in the corner in a wheelchair, didn't talk, and sometimes fell asleep. Uh, at one point, he moved. Um, some of the other characters just showed up, and their job was really to build a joke off of. I mean, one character, Dan, is constantly caught in the crossfire, and in one episode, his main role is to sit in a chair. And honestly, with that, that kind of does show one of the flaws of the show is that almost all the characters are kind of flat. Um, they have these attempts to give them more depth, but they kind of come out of nowhere. Um, Fred has this frustration with, uh, with a soda gun that doesn't work, and he wants, to, uh, he wants to fix it, and he doesn't do well at it. And suddenly this like insecurity of not being able to fix it, it's just like, it's just there. And we never really talked about him being insecure about that. See, a lot of the characterization is not consistent throughout, but when it is there, I do think it positively reflects these character flaws. This is a good show on that front, at least. Uh, you have James's anxiety is a flaw, but not insurmountable. Fred's insecurities are a flaw, but not insurmountable. And all in all, they don't do it consistently enough for it to really hit home, but they do it in a way that works. The show definitely had a sense of optimism to it, where the characters were able to overcome most, if not all, of the difficulties they had, usually through a strong support system of friendships. Examples of the show's optimism, in my opinion, is the portrayal of, a, of pretty much those support structures, such as uh, James' Liquid Courage episode, where all his friends come together in order to help him find a job and be able to overcome his anxieties with getting that job. Uh, that he needs. However, they also still use alcohol. But there's another uh, example of this where Abby's whole gang, their general acceptance of Bill as the show goes on, they all come together at the end to help him in his um, with his ex-wife uh, and to help him move on, which is what he needs. And I really like that sense of optimism that friends and support structures can help with that. However, the question is, is this optimism because of or in spite of the time the show was made? So the show entered production in 2018 and it aired in early 2019. And then and now it's only been a year. Uh, then and now people have had a lot of anxieties about the state of the world. There's the political climate. There's major political repositioning throughout the Western world. There's the existential threats, the global warming, military threats. Uh, we're still in the Middle East, and parts of the Middle East want to bite back. Uh, so there are a lot of anxieties. I don't think that means that people can't be optimistic. Uh, I would argue that you really can't be optimistic in a good situation, because if everything's all hunky-dory, why bother hoping for anything more? You're seeing a lot of people trying to build a better future and a better system or a better situation, and I think Abby's kind of reflects that. It's that sense of the silver lining, but also that sense of 
escapism where when there's bad things going on, people could sit and watch and hopefully feel a little better. I definitely agree with what Kyle is trying to say. We're, we may be in a time where a lot of things are going not as well as they could be, but we're also in a time when it feels like young people, our generation, are starting to be able to come into our own, starting to take control of the situation a bit more, and are starting to be like, okay, we know what to do. Let us have control. We can do this. It's pretty much the the difference between like 2010 and 2020. 2010 was right after the Great Recession, and now it's not the Great Recession. <laughs> which, um, but there's still. I feel like there is still that sort of. I don't know. I don't know if I totally agree with everything, though. I thought the show's optimism may have been why it failed. People gravitate towards media that focuses on conflict and hate. We watch shows like It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia with characters that we despise rather than Abby's whose characters we love. We accuse the news of sensationalism when they focus on violence rather than progress because we flock to see someone struggle against enemies and long odds. We don't want to see a sitcom where everything is, as Kyle put it, hunky-dory throughout the show. Either way, the bar itself does feel like it is apart from the world in general, whether negative or positive. The bar is its own little bubble carved out from the world. Like, in the pilot, or throughout the whole show, you get the sense of the bar being intentionally separate. Uh, in the pilot, people mention that Abby started the bar because she didn't want to have to answer to anyone else. And she created all these rules. Uh, she banned certain topics of conversation. Uh, she banned phone use at the bar to try to create this environment cut off from the hassles of everyday life. Uh, and then when Bill comes in, he's fresh off a divorce. He lost his job. He moved. And he views the new property and then the bar by extension as a way of finding stability after all that upheaval on his life. So I think there is the idea of that bar is sort of, it's a safe haven. The only issue with that safe haven is that it seems that safe haven also promotes this almost alcoholism type of tone where literally there the one character, Beth, we talked about being kind of a neglectful mother and we may have disagreed with that. But what we all agreed on is that her examples of alcohol and her use of alcohol is really problematic. There's a scene where she looks up at the window of her house, she's a neighbor of Abby, and is like, oh, from this bar stool, I can see my kid's room, and if, if an emergency happens, I can then finish my drink and then go and help them. And it's that sort of weird, like, hey, <laughs> drinking before sa saving your kids is funny type of deal that really brought me out of the show for a second. And, and I also thought that the more troubling use of alcoholism was James and, his, and the way he self-medicates to kind of get over his anxiety. I think that sent a troubling message where uh, it kind of said that you can use alcohol to get through mental health issues. Mm -hmm. And I think that was not the as well done as it could have been. Yeah, and all his friends, like, it was a good support structure. They actually wanted to, like, help him get a job. But th their use of alcohol makes them either drinking buddies or enablers. And either way... That really brought me out of the show, and also kind of why I think it may have failed a bit. Mm -hmm. 
So, to cap off the podcast and summarize Abby's, let's go into our final thoughts on the show. Honestly, I am really glad we did this show. Despite its flaws, I thought the optimism and the humor, like, really worked for me. It was cute, it was soft, and it just, it made me really happy, and it felt dorky and sweet, and I know the jokes were predictable, and, like, some things just didn't work, but honestly, this type of show is the type of show I really enjoy, and it just, I don't know, it just made me happy. The best way I can describe Abby's is that it is the perfect hotel show. If I'm in a hotel and I turn on the TV and Abby's is on, yeah, I'd be happy to watch it. The issue is I didn't watch this show in a hotel. The feel-good atmosphere and the light-hearted, if uninspired, humor made it easy enough to watch, but I don't think the TV industry is any worse off with Abby's on the ash heap of sitcom history. It did have a lot of heart, and it did have a lot of warmth, because in the words of a much better show, sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name, but Abby's just never panned out for me. I completely agree with Kyle's point, but when I call Abby's a hotel show, I mean that is scathing criticism. While I cared about the characters, most of the other elements of the show were aggressively mediocre. I mean, why did they make this? I actually really ended up enjoying the show a lot more than what I was expecting. It had a really positive form of representation, and I think the show was funnier than it had any right to be, even if the jokes were, as Joe said, somewhat predictable. I ended up finding the characters to be a bit adorable and lovable. It's a shame it never found its audience. So once again, thank you for listening. This is One Season Wonder. Join us next time when we discuss the first and final season of How to Be a Gentleman whether we want to or not. You decided to write a TV show or to join the casting crew. You heard it would be the next big thing and bring new fame to you. Wouldn't it be a helpful thing? You're off the air and it seems nobody knows your name. Like they might have been glad you came You wish you had made different choices But now it's just a shame These shows were cut short These